the Made Up Savannah podcast, a storytelling platform for the greatest city in the world. I'm your host, Dee Daniels. Made of Savannah is brought to you by Corcoran Austin Hill Realty, a progressive, inclusive, multi-generational company serving greater Savannah since 1978. This season, we're proud to welcome our partner, Daniel Reed Hospitality, with iconic restored landmark locations in historic downtown Savannah, Georgia. The richness of Savannah's restaurant and cocktail scene is a constant conversation among locals and visitors. Daniel Reed is home to some of the most visited and popular concepts in the Hostess City. The public kitchen and bar, artillery, Franklin's, local 1110, Perch, Soho South, and magnificent catering and events. Home to the best chefs in the South, award-winning team members from creative to operations, with food and drinks that not only complement every emotion, but also make you fall in love with the moment. Daniel-Reed.com. So satisfy your curiosity, fill up your tank, and write home about it. The Public Kitchen and Bar, Artillery, Franklin's, Local 1110, Perch, Soho South. This is Daniel Reed Hospitality. When you stop in, make sure you mention the Made of Savannah podcast. Welcome to the Made Up Savannah podcast. I'm your host, Dee Daniels. I am so excited to welcome my next guest here to this episode, a friend of mine and a fantastic local author, teacher, also life and health insurance agent, and I would say also a, a superstar on Tybee Island. So Jennifer Phillips, welcome to the Made of Savannah podcast. Thank you for coming and sitting down and chatting with us. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored. When I first met you, I, I realized quickly that you are a children's author. So the book is called Miller's Aussie Adventure. His name was Miller. He was my cat. I uh, had him for about 18 years and he passed away and I just never got over it. So I decided to write a, a book about him. It's interesting because I've talked to people who've done um, books in the past and it's a whole process. You already had, su- you had a subject <laughs> and, and a story already. Right. It's not like you had to like come up with one, but at the same time, you being a teacher, I think it all sort of, it, it made sense for you to do it. Right. I mean, it, the story about how the idea came to me is very odd. I left teaching and opened my own business in Tennessee an eyelash business. And um, I was at a conference in Scottsdale and the idea came to me. It was so bizarre. I was in the hotel room getting ready to fly back home and the idea hit me. I need to write a story about Miller and about traveling because I love them both. And I started out with Australia. Right. I've traveled to many places and that was one of my favorites. That's on my list. I've never made it to Australia. It's on my list. Um, because I hear once people go, it's like, it's one of the best things ever. Um, so the book is called Miller's Aussie Adventure. Does that mean Miller actually made it to Australia or? In real life? No, but I based it on my travels there. Right. Exactly. I love how in the book you also like at the end have all of these fun facts about Australia, which was just like, boom, there's your teacher hat right yeah, there. Yeah, teacher and me. I had to put them in. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into teaching? Oh, gosh. Well, in college, I was originally going to do um, physical therapy and we had to dissect a cat 
in biology. And I said, no, oh, I can't wow. do it. So I was like, well, this isn't for me. And so uh, a lot of my friends and sorority sisters were in teaching and I started talking to them and then got a, a part-time job at um, the local school, the elementary school down the street had hired a bunch of college people to help with their after-school programs and things. So I hired on there and I really liked it. So I thought, let me just change. Right. <laughs> my mom's been a teacher all of my life and still is a teacher. And uh, I, I don't know how she does it. Mm -hmm. I think our teachers are our heroes for sure. <laughs> um, constantly overworked and constantly underpaid. <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a calling, I think, on people. You know, it's like one of those things where like, I feel like you, you have a gift of it, you know, and it's it's a talent and a gift. And, and to be able to do that, um, it seems like a tough job. It can be. It can be very challenging. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, one of the things we love to talk about uh, uh, on this podcast is how, what everyone's Savannah, Georgia story is. So what is yours? I mostly grew up here and in Richmond Hill and, and I've moved away several times, but I always come back. Mm, see, there's the so story. That must be it. Uh, my family is here. My parents, uh, my mom's side. And um, every time I, move away, I get to the point where I start missing it again and I have to come back. So here I am again after being gone for six and a half years, six years. Oh, wow. Is that your longest stretch for being gone? You know, I don't know. I've never done the math. It might be one of them. Oh, As an just, adult, I definitely. You there would be math on this. Math. Uh, when you well, <laughs> I only teach up to second grade, so <laughs> oh, okay. don't, go, don't go much higher than that. <laughs> I But it's funny because we hear that story a lot. I mean, of people who grew up here and left, whether that was like left for college or left for a career or left for whatever and missed it and came yeah. back. Oh yeah. It's, it's easy to miss. I would imagine. Oh yes. The beach, the warmer weather, a lot warmer than Nashville. I was in Nashville for six years and um, I missed the palm trees. Mm. I will never again take a palm tree for granted. I just, I have to be where they are. Yes. Yes. That's one of the things that brought me to this area was I wanted to live near palm trees. Uh -huh. And now I'm not sure I could ever not. I know. Yeah. It, it's not going to be missing in my life anymore. Right. It's going to be there. Yeah. And no matter where you're going to be, I'm sure you'll plant one or bring one. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the fake ones aren't the same, but. <laughs> they are, but you know, they'll do it a pinch. <laughs> um, so. I hope everyone checks out Miller's Aussie Adventure because it is a great, great book. I'm sure a lot of people would love to get into doing something like that, writing a book. You know, that's on a that's on a lot of bucket lists. You know, I've got a book in here. I'd mm -hmm. like to like to write that one someday. Do you have any insights on having your own book and how does the process go? I think for me, it's probably a little different as a picture book. I had to find the right illustrator. The illustrator is Norris Hall, and I immediately loved his work. He's in Middle Tennessee, and um, I knew what I wanted Miller to kind of look like, but was open to suggestions. But I knew I wanted it to be funny and lighthearted and very colorful, and he brought that. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it, you know, down to like all the detail of the 
structures in Australia mm-hmm. and like it's 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 beautiful. Yeah, I was super proud of his work and his creativity and he brought humor into the mm-hmm. the story a lot and uh I was very very thrilled with it. After having an illustrator and having the story and all of that, what's the rest of the process look like? I worked with a small publishing company out of Alabama and Norris is the one that introduced me to them. And they helped me walk through the process of, I guess it was, it was more of a self-publishing path because it's, everything is print on demand. It's not through a company like that. And and I've had to pay out of pocket for every step. So um, once we had the editor, I paid that person. Once we had the illustrator, I paid him. Once we had um, the second editor, paid that person. And so each person, they worked separately, but also with her. So it was just her people that she knew, but it wasn't like a package deal. I think that normally people use when they use a publisher and they handle everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So that part was a little different, I think. So I guess I call it a hybrid method, maybe. Right. Um, But she walked me through everything and they were very creative, very helpful. They were able to connect me to somebody that was able to get everything on the platforms for um, Amazon and Barnes and Noble and gosh, anything digital was another person. And so that was very helpful. I could not have done that by myself. Right. It seems very daunting. I mean, I hear people talk about Mm self-publishing and that sort of thing. And it seems like, Ooh, you've got to, you've got to do all the jobs. Right. That you would be contracting somebody for, or yes, you know, that sort of thing. Well, how long does it take to put all of that together? I mean, oh, I know gosh. each book would be different yeah. depending on length and, and all of that. I know it was well over a year. The illustrator was the longest part, and he was backed up with so many other projects because he's so good. Mm. I had to wait on him, so I think that added to it. But probably well over a year by the time we got through all of the edits and final drafts and putting it together together. The whole process from me starting with the idea to the publishing was probably about four years, but most of that was me just delaying and not doing anything about it. Right. <laughs> so you can't count that, I guess. I can't the, count that part. In the timeline. No. Um, although, you know, I'm sure most people run run across the exact same issue oh, yeah. when they're yeah. writing a book. I don't want to sit down and work yeah. on this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so does Miller have other adventures? There are more, yes, there are more adventures in my mind. I just haven't written them out in a store yet, but. Will they be travel like that? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I, I want him to uh, have a series definitely around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Beijing in my mind. There's um, Jamaica, moving to Tybee. Gosh, New York City. I mean, we could go everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I I would imagine Miller would want you to go yes. everywhere. So <laughs> that, that makes total sense. Um, what was your Australia experience like? I mean, I know we'll get to see Miller's version of that in the book, obviously, but what was your experience like? Well, honestly, that's based on several trips. I, I went several times, but um, I guess Sydney was just incredible. The, the people were great. The, just seeing the opera house was just amazing. I said in the book that I went up on the on the bridge. We never made it there because of weather. Oh, okay. So if I ever go back, I'm going on that bridge. Right. It's just the animals. I'm an I'm an animal person. I just love animals. So 
seeing the penguins, the kangaroos, the... Did you see a everything. kangaroo fight? No, we didn't see any fight. Okay, because, you know, that's kind of the thing where they box each other, I yeah. guess, a little bit. And I would I would be nervous to see that in person, but I kind of would want to at the same time, so... I knew to stay away from their tails. Ah. Their tails are I powerful. Did, I did not realize that. Mm -hmm. Okay. The funny thing is, is we went to this petting zoo. I was there with my best friend, Stacy, and my parents. And we all went to this petting zoo. I don't know why. I think it was just somewhere in the town where we were. It was somewhere near Sydney. And we went there. We tried to feed the uh, kangaroos. But turns out you walk around the grounds and all these wild ones will come up to you and eat right from your hands. <laughs> I guess they're used to it. So we fed all these wild kangaroos just coming up to us from out of nowhere. It was a little nervous. You know, we were a little nervous about it, but they were fine. I guess they're used to people. I guess. And uh, that was the, that was probably the best part. Right. <laughs> the unexpected <laughs> wild kangaroo feeding. I love that. Um, okay. So we have to talk about Tybee um, because you guys live on Tybee Island. Yes. How did, how did that come about? Did, was that on your radar that you wanted to live at the beach at some point here? Is this the first time you've lived on the beach? Because you guys are super close. Like you're, yeah. you're like a little stone's throw. We're very happy where we are. Um, I've lived, I lived in Guam for a year. So I was very close to the beach there. But my husband, Nate, has never lived on or near a beach. And he is the biggest beach bum I've ever met. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> he could... He could live there all the time. Yes. In fact, all of our vacations are based on a beach. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. Mm -hmm. When I brought him down here after we met, gosh, it was, I think it was St. Patrick's Day. Yes, because we came down for the the run that they do every year, the Sharemock run. Mm -hmm. um, that was 2017. I brought him down for the first time. He didn't, didn't realize there was a beach here. And Tal's like, yes, we're going to go see a beach when we go. <laughs> a lot of people yeah. don't realize that. I had no idea. And um, so we went and he immediately fell in love and met some of my friends that were out here and loved them. And he was like, we're going to live there one day. And that started the conversation to happen a few years later. It worked out and we couldn't be happier. Right. Now, you guys are on the north end. Yes. And if you've never spent time like going through Tybee Island and experiencing um, what life is like on Tybee time and <laughs> that sort of thing, uh, it's very it's very interesting. It's not very big, yep. uh, you know, as far as distance goes, but there's so much happening. I know we really try hard not to take the car. It's always the bicycle or the golf cart. Mm -hmm. We feel guilty if we're in the car. Right. So we're like, this is silly. We're only going like a mile. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so why would you? Because it's raining. Yeah. You know, bad weather. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, is that your favorite spot, the North End? Because, you know, everybody sort of groups the sections of, of Tybee. Is that your favorite I section so. of the island? Yeah. You know, when we bought the house, I didn't know that much about that side. Typically, when I would come out to Tybee to visit, we would hang out Mid-Island mm -hmm. or the, on the south side. Right. And um, I thought, gosh, the North End's going to be boring. You know, I'm not going to want to live there. But once we saw the house and saw the views and moved in and met the neighbors, we were like, yes, this is awesome. And because you're... Because it's, it's quiet. And yeah. 
you know, we're old now. So. Right. <laughs> Older. Quiet is good now. Yeah. Quiet is great, actually. We um, do like it. You're, you're on the, so on the north end, you, you really get to get kind of that uh, up close of the cargo ships. Yes. Coming through. Yeah. This morning it was crazy. I was sitting out having coffee and I saw two passing by, crossing each other, which doesn't happen very often mm-hmm. that I see. And then another one was coming out. Oh, wow. So the ports were very busy today yeah. for a Sunday. And I guess Tis that's the good. season? Yeah, I don't Christmas. Know. I don't know. Yeah. Everybody's sending their stuff in. Right. Tybee, the whole the whole lifestyle on Tybee is great. Um, we come out and see you guys as often as possible. Uh, I know. <laughs> so we, we love can, it. <laughs> so that we can have a little piece of that, uh, which we love. And it's it seems to just be, con- I mean, just like everything else in coastal Georgia and in Savannah and it seems to be growing just pretty constantly. Like Tybee's growing too. And, mm-hmm. you know, more businesses are coming out there. And yeah. It's a busy area. And we love it. Also, it's sad to say, and I never thought that I would say it, but I also like the off season too. Oh, definitely. Sure. I mean, I love to have all of the visitors and, and the folks that are coming and going for vacation because we used to be those people too. But I like it when it's quiet as well. Mm-hmm. So it makes you appreciate both sides. I, I hear that from people, you know, whether it's Tybee or in Savannah, downtown historic district. I, we were just chatting with some visitors the other day and they were just like, you know, we visit here two, three times a year mm-hmm. and we love coming during the busy time. But we also love coming like this time of year in the holiday yeah. season where it's less people, you know, you might need to wear a little light jacket at night, but outside of that, like everything is just a little cozier, I think Mm -hmm. a little more intimate, you know, and, and it's, it's nice. It's nice to have that little break. I feel like, and I'm sure Tybee's the same way. Oh yeah. I mean, even when you're trying to go out to dinner, you know, you don't have the weight and the fight for the weight. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of food on Tybee, do you have a favorite restaurant? Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> are you allowed to? I don't know. <laughs> you guys are so well-known on Tybee now. I'm not, <laughs> well, I don't think that well-known I don't know if you're allowed good. to have one publicly. You can't say it. Nate, you want to write it down on a piece of paper and pass it to me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll let you know. Nate's a lot more well-known than I am. He's out and about. He is a well-known I guy. am the, I am the, uh, I guess I'm an introvert. An extroverted introvert? Is that a thing? (laughs) Yes, it is a thing. It is a thing. I think that might be me. Yeah. I'm good for a bit. And then I just need to just be be alone or be quiet (laughs) for a a while. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Although, um, if you are passing uh, Chews on on the main stretch there on Tybee, you'll see your book and mm-hmm. your, you know, the whole, your name's out there. Yes, and, uh-huh. it is. And also at the IGA. That's right. That's yep. right. And at gallery 80, my friend John has it up there. Oh, wow. Yep. Well, I gave you long enough to think about your restaurant. So you have to pick oh. one. I, I guess I would say Coxburg, but they're changing hands soon. So I hope the new owner oh, keeps the realize. menu or keeps most of those things. I, yeah. don't, I don't know how that's going to work, but those folks are super nice up there and they treat us well. It's a nice place. And they, and they're, I mean, hopefully they'll still have it, I guess, changing hands, but they, they're known to have live music pretty yeah. frequently. Live music. I think they have trivia one night mm-hmm. a week. They do um, a really am, an amazing specials menu. That's I mean, everything that I've had there is good. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, it you is. can't go wrong. No, you really can't. <laughs> um, one of the other things you guys are well known for is uh, being life and health insurance agents. I mean, that's if it's something on your radar, I think, you know, you guys are easy to talk to about all of that. Oh, well, thank you. How did you guys get into that? Our neighbor, Tanya, told us that uh, there's a need for people to help with Medicare. Mm -hmm. And also we got connected through her for a life insurance product for businesses. And as a former business owner, I thought, gosh, I could have used this when I was working. Although the plan that we cover now is for larger groups, but still it made me think there's a need out there. Yeah. So we do Medicare is our focus on the health side. And then um, on the life insurance side, we got connected with a really great group called Fringe Assist. They are out of Phoenix and they have a product that not too many people know about. And it's designed to help businesses attract and retain employees. Oh, and it's a great product. It's um, employer paid life insurance. It, it's whole life. So sometimes that scares people a little bit. But when you look at the big picture of it and what it can do for your people and what it can do for your business, it's it's worth a conversation. Right. I think it's so valuable to know someone who knows like the ins and outs of that stuff, because it is mm -hmm. so confusing, very confusing. It's so confusing. And I know you guys spend so much time like learning it so that, you know, because it seems to change a lot and mm -hmm. you've got to learn all of these different products. And, yeah. you know, there are some people that are eligible for stuff and there's some people that aren't. And the rest of us are just like, whoof. Yeah. That's like chemistry algebra class combined and, you know, gives me a headache just thinking yeah. about it. Well, with health, health insurance, it changes every year. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at that to see if your plan is going to cover your doctors, your medicines, all of that. Right. It, but it, it, it's so helpful to know you can call someone, you know, that's local or that's oh, definitely, you yeah. know, <laughs> you're not going to be <laughs> in a sea of phone calls, you know, trying to learn information. I feel like that's so valuable. And then you get disconnected and you don't get the same person again no. and you have to tell your story all over again. Yeah. No, yeah, you definitely need somebody that can help look that stuff up for you and go to bat for you. Exactly. Um, yeah, I love it because uh, if if you're ever on Tybee and you see um, Nate and Jennifer's golf cart, you'll see their <laughs> their info and their little uh, insurance stuff uh, on the back. So I love that because it's like, what a great way to advertise. Our friend Sandy made that up for us. <laughs> I think it was her idea. Actually. It's fantastic. It's either hers or Nate's. And they, they created that. Mm -hmm. Yep. That, that was pretty brilliant. Yeah. That was pretty good. brilliant. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your teacher hat. Do you, do you want to talk about where you teach and what you do? Um, sure. I mean, I'm back at Largo Tibet elementary. It's in Savannah. Um, kind of near where all of the car dealers are. Oh yes. Yes. Back in a neighborhood. And we actually just found out, Oh, gosh, it's probably been about a month now that, no, a couple of weeks now that they're going to be closing that school next year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, splitting those kids and all the staff up to different locations. And so everybody's, you know, not that's, really not really sure where they're going to go next year. I was going to say that's always a, a scrambling yeah. thing to try to figure out. Right. Um, you You are not actually like in the classroom with your own kids right now right Correct. You, what, what what role are you 
there? My title is um, EIP reading or or early intervention program Mm -hmm. for reading and math for the children that they don't have learning disabilities. You know, they're not special ed, but they are below grade level and they need some extra help. Mm -hmm. So my job and several other people have the same role where we pull small children, small groups of children and work with them on certain skills that they need a little bit of extra time and help and attention on. That's so important. Yes. Especially at that early age. Yes. To really be able to get in with those, those that are struggling and having extra challenge, you know, to, right. to get over the hump. That, that's, that's a really important time. And they also get kind of overlooked sometimes in the classroom. When, right. When you have 20 something children, they need that extra mm-hmm. little personal attention. Have you always done the elementary age? Yes. Okay. Yeah. My license is K through eight. But I prefer K through two. Yes. Because we know what happens after about fifth, sixth. Yeah, they're bigger than me. And <laughs> the attitudes can be bigger than me. I, mean, I don't have that. that puberty <laughs> coming and all the weirdness. <laughs> when they're little, they're still pretty sweet. It's a whole different like ballgame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. My mom teaches high school and is taught pretty much every grade. But Yeah. I'd say thoughts and prayers for her every day. <laughs> I know. My sister-in-law has uh, middle school. Loves it. Mm. Loves it. I don't I don't know how. I mean, I guess everybody has their own niche. Yes. And they, they look at other people like, how do you do it? But yeah, we all have to have our place somewhere, I guess. Right. Ah, middle school. That's a smelly time. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Elementary can be too. <laughs> well, I'm sure. That's very true. I'm very, very sure of that. Um, sure. Where can people find your book? So we know we can get it locally. Yes. Also on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. There you go. Yep. It's print on demand. So it's not in the stores yet. Mm. I'm still working on them. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we can help nudge them in the right direction. That'd be nice. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, so yeah, look for more adventures. Uh, Jennifer Phillips and of course, Miller's Adventures. I think it's going to be great. I hope you, uh, are you able to have the same illustrator? Because I would love to. Okay. I would love to. Um, if I do another one or when I do another one, I don't know which route I'm going to take for publishing. I'd like for somebody to pick it up. Ah, yes. Um, because the marketing piece, I just don't have much time for it. Right, right. Um they would handle that probably a lot better than I could. So absolutely. But Norris Hall, if I can get him, absolutely. Well, if not, you have a high bar to find the next illustrator. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, any any uh, up and coming illustrators that want to yeah, beat the jump bar. on that? Yeah, exactly. But they have that style. I'm all ears. All I, right. will, I will take a look. Great. Well, we'll be looking forward to more adventures, and, and we'll have to have you back when you're ready to launch your next book. Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Well, thank you. So go ahead and share this podcast with a friend, family member, coworker, neighbor, area business owner. You get the picture. If you have an intriguing Savannah story to tell or know someone who does, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at Made of Savannah. You can subscribe on any of your favorite platforms. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Podchaser, and many more. Thanks for listening to Made of Savannah. The welcome mat is always out. <laughs>